I'm Eric Garrison. I'm just an average everyday guy living in the middle of the country. I'm not a politician, nor do I aspire to be one. I care about you. I care about your friends and your family, as well as my friends and my family. During these trying times, it becomes so polarized, I like to look at things objectively with an idea of progress in mind, bringing a solution and not just a problem, hoping that one day I won't feel so blue in this red state. Hello, this is Eric Garrett, and I'm feeling blue in a red state. There's been a couple weeks since the last time we've talked. I apologize for that, but it's my life is constantly throwing me curveballs, and it is constantly keeping me so busy that I am not able to hardly ever get a second alone to do one of these. I did finally get some time now, so here we are. Lots happening. We've had um, Chinese spy balloons and other unidentified flying things. Uh, getting shot down by the military. Um, we've also had um, a derailment, a train derailment, with um, causing toxic, you know, fumes in the air over a small town, Palestine, in Ohio. Now, when uh, when confronted with uh, what the possible cause of the derailment was, one official stated that it could have been the Civil War era braking systems that these cars still had. Now, I understand that maybe these braking systems are still decent or whatever, um, but when you're hauling toxic, very toxic uh, chemicals in a train, don't you think that maybe we should have enough precautions that uh, that we're not using, you know, I don't know, Civil War era like 1800s era braking technology, like maybe that if we're hauling something that could be potentially harmful for the public, that maybe, just maybe, we would use a, um, a, you know, some form of technology that lets us know if the train is on fire so we can stop it rather than just keep driving on along for 20 miles while these trains were on fire, while these train cars were on fire. And then, of which, you know, eventually ended up to, you know, a derailment, which caused an entire town to evacuate. And then now they've got, they've already got these people back at home. They've told them that there's no more, no more harm, no more harm. You know, we've, we unleashed all these chemicals, all the fish are dying, all the wildlife's dying. But uh, we told the people, yeah, you're say it's safe to go back to your town now. Uh, really? I mean because that's worked out really good for the people exposed to the burn pits or the people that were exposed to the pile at 9-11, you know, the ones that are all dying now and the burn pit exposure people that are all dying now because of these toxic chemicals that are uh, not so far off from what we're talking about over there in Palestine, Ohio. When are we going to learn that 
when things like this happen that we need to be a little more careful. You know what it is? It's because nobody cares about these people. Palestine is a small working class community. Nobody cares about these people, especially not the people that represent them, which is what I want to talk about today. Representative government. There are 535 members of Congress, 535 members that are elected officials that we as people, uh, citizens of this country, vote in to go there and to speak on our behalf in Washington. Um, that's, how our, that's how our government worked. That's how our democracy, that's how we're able to call it a democracy because we elect the lawmakers that go then make the laws. Um, in this system, if it's working and functioning correctly, in this system, these uh, members of Congress would vote for or against laws that uh, act in the best interest of those that they represent. Regardless of whether or not it is their ideology or their agenda or whatnot, that none of that should matter. If a majority of the people in the, in the community that I represent wants a certain thing, then they should get that thing. That's where um, we run into the problems due to the polarization. And I think it's probably always been this way, even when it wasn't so polarized, but especially now with the polarization of the two sides, what we have now is we have um, a representative government that is not acting in the best interest of the majority of the people. It's not acting in the best interest of the people that they represent at all. I will give you some examples, but first of all, let's talk about just, well, no, let's, let's do the examples first. Um, well, let's start, let's start with red flag laws. Um, due to the fact that we have a mass, more than one mass shooting a day on average, in this country, which is uh, far more than any other country. I mean, there's countries out there that haven't had one in 10 years. We have more than, we average more than one a day here. But due to that horrible truth that we have to face, um, we have, uh, we've got, you know, senators and um, members of Congress that have, uh, you know, suggested maybe red flag laws. Like, so like, let's say there's a law or let's say that there's a, you know, somebody who's got guns who was able to purchase them legally, but uh, but is showing signs of a mental illness or something like that. Maybe we should be able to red flag them and take away their rights to have those guns for a while until they can pass a psychological evaluation. That this is a wildly supported idea. Um, this. Uh, when in recent polling, uh, 90% of all people polled said that they were in favor of red flag laws. 90% of the entire country. Now, when 90% of the entire country thinks that this bill is a good idea, these laws are a good idea, they should be put on the books, one would think that every pretty much every congressman would uh, be right on board with it. Yet it got hung up 
course. Of course it did. Um, and here's uh, just an example of, of what they're saying um, in regards to this. Uh, this is a Republican, uh, Thomas Massey uh, from Kentucky, uh, speaking about his red flag uh, or his opposition to red flag le- legislation proposed by the Democrats. Mr. Chairman, this red flag law that's being marked up today is unconstitutional, it's hurtful, it's redundant, and I'll walk through each of those here in the brief time that I have. First of all, it's unconstitutional. My colleague already conceded that 17 to 19 states have already implemented similar laws. That's because this is the domain of state law. This is not the domain of the federal government. In fact, the Supreme Court struck down the Gun-Free School Zone Act uh, prior because it was, it was tried, they tried to use it. Somebody tried to use it for a gun that hadn't been in interstate commerce. Okay. Now this is what I'm talking about here. Uh, these are the kind of oppositions. These are, these are in bad faith. These are in bad faith. Um, I would like to also point out that the main campaign contributor of that particular Senator or that particular, uh, representative, was the NRA. NRA. Ah, go figure. He doesn't want red flag laws. He wants to be able to sell guns to everybody and anybody with a trigger finger we should get a gun, right? They even he was even upset about the um the gun-free the gun or this yeah, the gun-free school act which actually got shot down by the Supreme Court. Uh, because of its unconstitutionality. You know what, though? I, I get it that it does say we have the right to bear arms or whatever. Um, I get that. I understand that. But but it needs to be read in the context that I believe it was written in, first of all, which I don't believe means that everybody should just be walking around with guns, first of all. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that we want our schools to be gun-free. Um I think that that's probably another one of those things that should be unanimous across the board, uh, considering we have school shootings. And, and, and here's the deal on the school shootings. Uh, what the, this is strictly an America phenomenon. That there's, no other, there's not other countries out there that have school shootings like we do. But none. None. And these people that talk about, oh, this isn't a gun issue. This is a mental health issue. Guys, there is mental health issues in other countries too. But there's not school shootings there's only school shootings here. So it's not a mental health issue. It's a gun issue. It always has been and it always will be. Yet, we can't get it passed. We can't get red flag laws passed federally. Um, now, if 90% of the country wants something, um, they should get it. And, and, and what that means is the people are not being represented properly by the people that they elected to put in that job to do that, to represent them. They're not representing them. That's one example. Um, 70% of Americans think that abortion should be legal, with very few exceptions. It should be legal. Um, Now, if 70% of Americans think this, yet we can't, we had, we had Roe v. Wade overturned. So that was the, that was the um, case law that was protecting states or protecting women from states passing laws, restricting abortions. So now it's not a federally protected right anymore. The right to an abortion, the right to choose what happens with your health. If you're a female, no longer exists. 
even though 70% of the country thinks that it should exist, it doesn't anymore. Now, 70% of the country wants something. If the representatives are doing their job, guess what should happen? They should get that. That should be a, an easy bill to pass, but yet it's not. It's not. It gets hung up. 88% of this country think that the minimum wage of $7.25, the federal minimum wage of $7.25 should be increased. 88% think that. Can't get it passed because the representatives aren't doing their job. They're not representing the people. If you have, There is no way that 88% of the country wants something, and if you're in a district, there's no way there is enough representatives in districts where the majority says that they don't think it should be raised. It's not mathematically possible. There are people that are in these jobs that are not doing their jobs. They're not doing them right. They're not doing them correctly. They're not doing them as the forefathers wrote those jobs out. Now that's, that's, those are, that's three examples. Let's go. Let's do one more example here that I have. Um, 77% of Americans think that the uber wealthy, the upper one half of 1% should be taxed more or at least the same as the middle class because at the moment they're not. They're not ta- taxed nearly as much as the people who really can't afford to be taxed as much as they are. Um, there's a lot of arguments on this one. Uh, they, uh, they, especially when it comes to corporate tax rates and everything like that. Of course, the Republican standpoint on this is uh, uh, we're going to give these corporate tax breaks and then, um, you know, then those corporations will take that money and, uh, you know, they'll raise the wages of their workers and they'll, you know, they'll improve and, you know, hire more people and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's uh, commonly known as trickle down economics. Uh, this just it's it's uh, bullshit. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know what happens? When corporations get these big tax breaks, you know what you know what actually happens? They do stock buybacks. So they just so to make themselves even more rich. They don't take that money and uh, you know raise their wages. They take that money to increase their own wealth. Of course they do. That's what they've always done. That's why they're so wealthy to begin with. It's uh, and it's causing a wealth gap. That's um. I mean. The wealth gap every year is the worst year for the wealth gap every year because it's, it's, it's constantly getting worse and worse and worse. It's not getting better. We're not making up ground. None of that is happening because the, because of these things. And can we get these, can we get corporations to pay more taxes? Can we get taxes on the Uber rich to go up a little bit? We would be able to because, like I said, 77% of the country thinks we should. But no, we have representatives not doing their job right. And they're not, they're not you know, representing the will of their people. But nobody ever calls them out on it. Nobody ever talks about it. All they do is they fight about stupid shit that doesn't even matter. Like shit, the culture war issues that have nothing to do with what their job really is. Their job is not to talk about transgender people and their job is not to talk about Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss and all that. That is not their job. Their job is to pass actual laws that actually help the 
actual people that they're supposed to actually be representing. Hands down. Hands down. That's what they're supposed to be doing. Do they do it? No. They're too busy having these stupid fights that are going to get them on the news. Whose fault is it? Is it is it the news's fault? Partially. Partially it's their fault. But it's not. It's it's. You know, they're going to do what they're going to do because they have, you know, they have ratings that they have to hit or whatnot, which I also kind of disagree with. But that is that's for another day. Um, What I do have a problem with is the fact that that we're not holding these people accountable. Guys, we're the voters. We have to do it. You have to put your political you have to put your party alliances and your party, uh, you know, loyalties down put them down and let's see what what this person's really doing this person not this person the democrat or this person the republican but what has this person done that i agree with and what have they done that i disagree with because if they've done a lot of shit that i disagree with but they have the right letter next to their name i shouldn't vote for them and this happens all the time the 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 number of people in this country that vote against their best interests is alarming and it is a lot of the blame for all of, for how this is happening. Now, some might say, well, yeah, but I mean, oh, well, it's just how it's always been, right? Um, well, here, here's maybe a, a different angle that maybe might catch your attention. As I mentioned earlier, there's a 535 members of Congress. 535, that's how many people there are to represent us that we elect in. Um, now, each one of them makes $174,000 per year. Per year. This is what we're paying. These are our tax dollars that pay for them. So you take that, take 174000 times 535 members of Congress and you come up with $93 million that we pay every year, and that's just on their salaries. That's not counting all their perks, their, their free insurance, and their, you know, their, uh, you know, their pension that they get for the rest of their life. Um, now, also, each member gets the MRA, the Members uh, Rep- Representational Allowance of $994,000 and $994,671 per year. Each member gets that. That's almost a million dollars per year for things like, uh, you know, you know, traveling for fact-finding missions or, you know, vacations or whatever. They only work half the year too, by the way, they only work half the year. Um, so on top of their $174,000 salary that they get, they also get the $1 million a year for the MRA. That's a total of $532,148,985. That's, um, that's for the MRA. So when you add it all together, it's nearly $700 million every year just to have these people go to Congress and not do what we ask them to do. That seems like an entirely, a huge waste of money, a huge waste of money. For that kind of money, we could end childhood poverty. For that kind of money, 
We could put a huge dent in the homeless crisis that we have right now for that kind of money. We could get, uh, you know, tuition-free community colleges. For that kind of money, we could make sure that everybody had health care. But yet, we spend it on these people that do nothing. They do nothing. They sit in there and argue about trivial bullshit that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And they're not voting in our best interest. And it's our fault, too, because we didn't vote in our best interest. It happens so often. I hate to keep bringing it up, but there are so many people that I talk to on a daily basis that vote for the wrong person the wrong person for the job. They vote completely. I was just talking to somebody today, today that was complaining about the fact that, um, that they made abortion illegal in uh, one of our neighboring States, Missouri. Um, you know, and she's very pro choice. Um, she's also, uh, she uh, was complaining that the rich people don't pay enough taxes. She was, <laughs> complaining that they won't pass any gun laws that keep the kids safe in, um, in the schools. And then I asked her, okay, well, just out of curiosity, you know, uh, who did you vote for? Well, I vote, I vote for, I always vote for the Republican. I'm like, okay, everything you just were complaining about is everything that the Republicans push through. You, you want you want corporations and rich people to pay more taxes? The Republicans are the ones that voted the tax plan in, that, or the tax cut in, that cut all of that. You want stricter gun laws? The, the Republicans are the ones that are holding that up. I mean... You want you want abort you want to be able, the right to have an abortion? The Republicans are the ones that are making that illegal. This is what I'm talking about. People just vote for a Republican because because they've always been a Republican, or because their friends are Republicans, or because because the uh, you know the uh, the gotcha moments that they see on on the internet, or the you know like I don't know. There's there's like this this weird thing going like, well, I think you should have to work for what you got, and I I'm sick and tired of people saying that I have privilege. I don't have privilege. I work from all of this nonsense is clouding up the it's clouding up the airwaves with what really matters cuz none of that does none of that matters that's not what we need congress doing we need congress in there fixing the real issues and if we don't get competent people in there that are focused on the real issues we're never going to get a congress that's going to fix any of it that is that is the problem that we run into so often is that we have we have all of these people in there and they're not doing anything anything but arguing about dumb shit. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to watch. I mean, let, let's. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna play some clips of some some of the things that uh, Congress, especially. And I'm not. I'm not saying that the Democrats don't sometimes have some dumb points or whatever. But it's especially noticeable on the right. And I'm not talking about your your uh, Mitt Romney Republicans. I'm talking about your Marjorie Taylor Greene Republicans and your Lauren Boebert Republicans and the ones that are starting to overtake the Republican Party. And the problem is, as much as I can't despise what most 
of the Republican agenda is, I do appreciate that it is necessary. I do understand that it is necessary. In a democracy, there has to be a sane opposition party. But right now, the Republican Party is teetering on that word sane. Like, I don't know that they're really that sane anymore. The far right especially is not. And now, one could argue that the far left is not either. But the far left is a hell of a lot more sane than the far right. And um, and I'm going to play some examples here in a second. Uh, but the thing is, is yes, we do need an opposition party. That's what keeps... Uh, keeps away tyranny and it keeps away fascism and it keeps it keeps one party from gaining too much power. Um, it, it's what uh, makes elections have consequences and it's what um, it's what you know provides us the checks and balances that a democracy needs to stay healthy. But when you have the opposition party that's 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 <laughs> bordering the line of clinically insane, but, but the problem is, is they've got enough support to still win seats. And, uh, when, and a lot of that has to do with gerrymandering. Uh, they're really good at that. And they're really good at cheating and lying and, and manipulating things in order to, uh, in order to get, you know, to maintain power. I mean, uh, seven of the last eight elections, um, the Democrats have won the popular vote. Yet we have not had, uh, you know, president. I mean, Bush only won the popular vote once. Trump didn't win the popular vote when he was elected. He lost it by three million. Bush only won it the second time. Um, his dad, Bush, didn't win the popular vote. Reagan, I think he did for sure. But, but you got to look at it like, like we we um we have presidents even that are winning the you know losing the popular vote but still becoming president because of an ancient system that we use, uh, that we used before TV and radio even. And the whole point of it was so everybody was represented equally, but it, but it's not that way anymore. And, and another thing we've got, we've got to do something about the, 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 you know, cause they're worried about everybody being represented equally, but yet here's the, here's the problem with that logic is the fact that in the Senate, or every state has two senators, right? Every state, no matter what. So you have Wyoming, who has less people in it than D.C. even. Uh, they have two senators. D.C. has more people and has zero senators. California has, okay, so Wyoming has about 700,000 people in it. That's it. That's all they have in it. But they got two senators. But uh, California's got 50 million people in it. They've got two senators. So the people's voices in Wyoming are like 60 times more powerful than the people's voices in California. We have two senators in South Dakota, two senators in North Dakota. You add those two states together and they still don't have as many people in them as Iowa. And... And, but, but that's four senators. So the, the representation is not even already. So spare me the bullshit when you're trying to defend the electoral college, whoever gets the most votes should win hands down. No, no question about it. It should be whoever gets the most votes. 
That's a democracy. That's what a democracy is. And don't come at me saying that, well, we're not a, we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. Listen to any politician speak, and they always reference democracy. That's what we are or what we're supposed to be. It's not what we are, but it's what we are supposed to be, and it's what we strive to be, and it's what we push all over the world. But we have these representative, we have this representative government. What they need to do, they need to shave, they need to get rid. They they should. I mean, I'm not saying that maybe we should get rid of all of them, but I don't think we need as many as we have. I don't think we. Sh- I don't think. I think all laws should be voted on. Personally, if uh, they want to add a law, you you have to have lawmakers. To write up the laws, so you can't fire them all. You can't get rid of them all. But you know, we should have like a like a panel that we elect in that come up with laws. Instead, we end up with ignorant ass bullshit like this. Colorado does have some of the most strictest gun laws. We have just about everything that Democrats are wanting to push nationally. And unfortunately, our state is showing that these do not work. Uh, Chicago is showing that gun laws do not work. And uh, and every time something like this happens, there's more knee-jerk reactions to legislate law-abiding citizens and restrict them from being able to defend themselves. In America, we, we see more deaths by hand, fists, feet, even hammers. And, uh, you know, are we going to start legislating that away? Are we going to be uh, like these other countries who even ban knives? I mean, if, if hammers are the cause of more death than firearms, then maybe we need to start having background checks on hammers. I mean, look out, Black & Decker. We're already coming after manufacturers for firearms. Maybe you're next. That, of course, was Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert talking about um, the gun laws that uh that the Democrats were trying to push through right after, uh, right after our like 600th mass shooting of the year last year, um, and uh, I love how she says uh, things like, uh, "Well, they they're not working in Chicago," and everybody wants to talk about the violent crime. And yes, there is violent crime in Chicago. Of course, there is. It's a big city. There's going to be violent crime in any big city. However, as far as murder rate goes, uh. Chicago is 28th on the list, right behind Buffalo. Like I mean, Chicago is not like it's not like a freaking like haven for like the most murders in the f- freaking country. Actually, that's St. Louis in red state Missouri with no freaking laws. And guess what? They have tons of gun crime, tons of murder, the highest murder rate in the country. Go figure. And you can't judge a like they, they always go back to Chicago, but Chicago is right next to Indiana. It's right by Indiana. And like Indiana has got some of the most lax gun laws in the entire country. So it's like, they're not policing the borders of Chicago, checking everybody, you know, 97% of all gun crimes that happen in Chicago were, they happen with guns purchased outside of the state. So there you have it. Like the gun laws are working. They're having to go to other states to get them. Now, if every state had these gun laws, then guess what? We, they wouldn't have anywhere to get the fucking guns, guys. This is common sense. This is common sense. And Lauren Boebert says dumb shit like that. Oh, and then what she said, uh, more, uh, more deaths happen by hammers than guns. Um, it didn't take me very long to look that up and see that that was complete and utter bullshit. Uh, in this country, 40,000 people die every year from guns. 
guns. There's 40,000 gun deaths a year. I looked it up. They don't even have hammers specifically on there. They just have all blunt objects, which includes hammer, fists, feet, you know, like any kind of object or like a two by four or something like they're all, they just got them all grouped together and, and it's 300, 300 total compared to 40,000. And this woman is in Congress. This woman is representing 750,000 people. And she wasn't even smart enough to do something that took me like less than one minute to find. The statistics are out there. The statistics on government websites, which she has access to all these government archives. It would be even probably easier for her to find this information than it was for me. But, you know, she didn't want to take the time. She probably read it on Twitter or on Facebook, read a meme, and and then she just assumed it was true because it pushed her narrative. It it uh, it solidified how she already thought. That's the problem. Is they don't they don't people when they when they research they don't research effectively. They they don't research objectively. They research subjectively. And uh, I know they sound a lot alike, but there's uh they're actually pretty much the opposites. So when you go into your research with a, you know, like a preconditioned idea in your hot mind and you already have your mind made up, you're going to find some way to manipulate some statistic to make it prove that you're right. Even though that's not the case. Like, um, for example, you know, like we, you know, people will say, well, you know, 90% of all shark accidents or shark attacks happen in shallow water. It's like, yeah. So that, what, what's that suggest? That, um, that, uh, sharks only attack in shallow water, right? Well, of course that's where 90% of the, uh, attacks happen. That's where all of the people are. That's where people are at. The sharks aren't attacking people out in the middle of the ocean. Cause there's just not a bunch of people swimming around in the middle of the ocean. You see what I'm saying? Or uh, like I, I, I read a meme the other day that said, um, you know, women that ride horses uh, tend to live uh, longer, healthier lives. Now, what it's implying is that because you ride a horse, um, that's what makes you live longer and happier and healthier. But the reality is, is that if you have the money to buy a horse and have horses, then you probably have health insurance. And that's why you live a longer, happier, healthier life. See, that's what I'm saying. Like statistics are, are they're innocent in this, but they get manipulated a lot. And, uh, and that, and those are just a couple examples of how that happens and how, how people do it. It's, um, and it, and it's done in bad faith and it's done by the people that we uh, pay and we elect and we put our trust in to go work for us. And this is the kind of shit they're doing. That's what I'm saying. We, this, this whole notion that we, um, that these people are in there for us, you know, like they're in there, they're, their party alliance is it's bullshit because that's not what their job is. Their job is not that.
Now, I could talk about this for hours and still not even scratch the surface of everything that is wrong with the way that we're currently governing. I could talk about the, uh, the unfairness, the, misrep or the, the, uh, the growing number of marginalized people that are underrepresented in, within the walls of Congress. I could talk about the fact that we have bad actors, people acting in bad faith, and people that are pushing strictly a political agenda. They're, um, they're working on the behalf of lobbyists and they're in, in big business and special interests instead of working on the behalf of people. I could talk for days probably about all of that. But what I want to do is I want to talk about a time not that long ago when I thought, you know, everything I read in the history books, you know, like that's just how it works. And, um, you know, you read the Constitution and you read the Bill of Rights and you read the way that um, our government is set up and, and how it's supposed to work. And you just, you just take, you just assume that that must be how they're doing it. And then all of a sudden you take a step back and you look and you're like, wait a second, this isn't how we're doing it at all. This, how we're doing it is all wrong. Because honestly, when you think about it in a representative government, what should happen is if you, let's say you're, let's just say I ran. I ran and I got representative and I'm the represent one of the representatives of Iowa and I've got, you know, I think Iowa's only got two, I believe two or three. Um, so I'm one of them. We'll just say that. And uh, I strongly believe that women should have the right to choose. But a majority of the people that um, in my in my in my that I'm represented don't think that they think it, abortion should is, is murder and it should be illegal. Even though it is my belief that it shouldn't be. But because that's what the people that I was elected to represent want, that's what I should vote for. And if I don't like it and I want them to and I and I want to vote the other way, then I need to go to my people, the people that I represent, and I need to change their minds, convince them otherwise, until a majority of them think that abortion should be legal, for example. I should hold town halls. I should go talk. I should, you know, tour my entire area and talk to people and, and try to convince them that this is better for us as a whole to, to go this way. And if I can't get a majority of the people to feel the same way I do, then I have to vote in favor of, you know, uh, or I have to vote against it because I, against my best wishes, because that's what representing somebody means. 
they elected you, they, they are paying you the valuable dollars to do a job, to perform a job. And when you don't go talk to them and you don't vote and for their, for, you know, for their will, then, then what, then you're not doing You're not doing your job. You shouldn't be getting paid. You should be fired, but there's nobody to fire them. That's the problem. They're elected. So people, we've got to start paying attention to what our representatives, what our senators are doing. And if they're not doing what we want them to do, then we need to get them out of there. There's no term limits. There should be, but there's no term limits for any Congress. So we have people that are just making a career out of going to Washington and making a mockery of our government. You know, talking about dumb things that don't matter. Growing up, we're taught that anybody can be whatever they want. Anybody can be president. And I used to think that was true, but it's not. You have to sell your soul. You have to you have to get all this money and you have to get in like and then it becomes like, hey, okay, well this person donated, so now I've got to vote in their interest. This person did this, I gotta vote in their No, that is not how it works. You have to do what your people want. And if they don't want what you want, you need to convince them that they need to want that. That is how a democracy works. That is how you grow your influence and that's how you make a difference and that is how we turn this country around as we get back to the basics we start doing things in good faith we let all the petty bullshit go and let's start acting in good faith for what really honestly will help and fix this nation that we all have grown up loving it's worth it. It's worth it to do it. And it's not too late. It's not too late yet. But it's not going to be much longer and it will be too late. We have to do this. We have to act now. There, we have to get involved and we have to make a difference. Get out there and make a stand. Tell a story. Like go protest. Protest a law. Or, or join a PTA, start small, join a, you know, a local community government or anything. Get out there and even if you don't want to do all of that, just go, get out there and talk to people. And, 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 and when you do talk to them, talk to them in good faith and talk to them, talk with them, don't talk at them, have the conversation, let them speak. Let them get out everything that they need to get out and then tell them what you think and then offer up a compromise. In a negotiation, I was told this by a teacher of mine in high school, in, the, in a negotiation, if, if anybody walks away happy, then the negotiation was unsuccessful. Both sides should walk away a little upset because they didn't get everything they wanted. But if one person walks away happy, that means that he got everything he wanted. And that means the negotiation was unsuccessful. It, it was no longer a negotiation. That's how we have to treat this government because that's what it is. <laughs>